Are you a character? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Characters Here Podcast. I'm your host, Arthur and artist, Sharday. To get all this personality and entertainment, you can follow me on social media at Characters Here. And for more information, visit CharactersHere.com. Born in Boston, Massachusetts, and lived in several different states, she currently resides in Illinois. She attended Lindenwood University in Missouri, receiving a Master of Fine Arts with a focus in writing. Signed to Rogue Phoenix Press, this author released her first book titled Grayson in 2016. She also teaches part-time as a professor at a local community college. Married for 13 years with five children, she is living her best life at 42 years young. And a special guest on Characters Here podcast, Tamara Wright. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get right into the interview. Tell us about your childhood. What was it like, uh, you know, growing up? Um, any family memories that you had? You know, I did not have the typical childhood. Unfortunately, I had quite a dysfunctional childhood, which I think kind of comes out in my writing. Uh, being moved around as a child, um, I didn't reconnect with my father till I was 27. Didn't go to live with my mother full time till I was eight years old. So I think while I had a rocky beginning, it's been my adult life where I've really started to thrive. Is there anything that you remember about um, just being a kid that you said it goes into your writing that you pick every time you write, you just your mind kind of goes back to that moment? Colorism. And I think with my first book, Grayson, I really delved into that because that was an ongoing theme between my mother and I. You know, my mother being a light skinned black woman who really idolized everything white, you know, mm-hmm. she had a dark skinned daughter that didn't really work for her. And it really kind of created this tumultuous mother-daughter relationship where she resented me being dark-skinned. And in relationships, period, a mother-daughter relationship, uh, you do you have daughters? I have two daughters. I have one who's 19. She's a biomed major. And then I have one daughter who's 12, and she takes ballet. Nice. So just in your relationship with your own mother, do you see anything that you uh, say, you know, I'm going to change the way this it has worked between my own mother. So it's going to be different with my own children. Do you have conversations like that or just colorism with your own kids? Your daughters? Absolutely. With all of my kids, but especially my daughters, because my one daughter is a medium brown and she's black from my first marriage. And my other daughter is biracial from my mm-hmm. second marriage. So it was something I was very aware of that I wanted them to understand. So they knew how to deal with it in the outside world because people what? will try to, di- to make differences between them. And I remember when they were little and people would come up to me and my daughter who's biracial and they would always say, oh, she's so pretty and she's light skinned with her curly hair. And I would always say, no, I have two beautiful daughters. Thank you. Yes. Because they would oh, act yes. like my older child wasn't even standing there. Wow. Oh, that's impactful. Do, um, do your daughters come to you today, you know, that they're older and they ever like, you know, say anything like that has happened to them outside of your presence that they say, thank you for, you know, teaching me this, anything that you've heard them say? They, they know, especially my youngest daughter, how to stand up to people, especially mm-hmm. when people question her blackness. 
and people question her hair because she has very kinky curly hair typical biracial hair so she knows how to handle people who question her on those things that's actually that's really good to have just being uh going from a child to an adult how those conversations uh that you quite don't understand when you're a child, but when you get mm-hmm. older, you see, okay, I get it now. I see yeah. what's going on. That's really, really helpful, just making mm-hmm. that transition from a child to an adult. And speaking of uh, your transition from a child to adult, what made you make the decision to go to college? I just, you know, college was an outlet for me. It was an escape. I, oh, I, if I could, I would be a professional student. I love <laughs> learning. <laughs> yes. like, I absolutely love being on a college campus and learning. I'm one of those nerdy people that would just like, if I could just sit and audit classes all day, I'd be happy. See, (laughs) I wish we could get paid for that too. (laughs) I know. I'm like, they need to make that a career. What do you do for a living? I'm a college student. I'm a college student. That's real. (laughs) What is something that you learned while receiving your education aside from what you majored in? Don't be afraid to switch degrees. I think I must have changed my major so many times. You just, you go in your freshman year, you're signing up for classes. I was like, I'm going to be a finance major. I wasn't really sure what a finance major was, but (laughs) you watch a couple of movies and you're like, I'm going to do that. And you're sitting in the class and you're like, I'm not going to do this. Uh That is really good. I wish I had somebody to tell me that because I went into college headstrong, like this is my major and I'm sticking to it and I'm not even doing anything in that major. Yeah. What made you, uh, you know, have that liberance to just, just want to, you know, be like, okay, this doesn't work for me. I'm going to try something else. Well, when you're sitting in a finance class, intro to finance, and you think everyone's speaking a different language, that's kind of the hint. (laughs) I'm like, are we all speaking English? What what language is this? <laughs> like, okay, well, maybe this is not where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> now, how long did it take you until you uh, graduated? Well, I stopped and started off and on because when I met my first husband, he was in the military. He was six years older. We got married. We had kids. And so I focused on that. And then when he passed away, I went back to school because I had three little kids to, you know, now take care of. And that was kind of my jumpstart, my kick in the pants to finish. Mm -hmm. So with your introduction to writing, how did that come about? Has that always been a part of you just from, you know, being young or were you introduced to it in college? I dabbled in a little, but I remember my seventh grade English teacher, Mrs. Bailey, and she always encouraged me to write. And she was like, it doesn't matter how off the wall it is just write it, write it down, have fun with it. And mm. I re- that's really where it started for me. That, oh, wow, this is kind of cool. And what, did, uh, what subjects did you like to write about? I like, I like m- subjects that are more social issues, that are messy, complex characters. I prefer fiction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's just where I thrive at is in fiction. But I like messy plot lines. Yes. Could you give us like an example, just maybe from uh, your book, Grayson, of Mm -hmm. like that, you know, genre that you like? Well, it's like, um, like in Grayson, she has a little sister who is basically the golden child of the family. And there's this one scene where they're sitting under the tree and they're just, Gigi's just getting on her nerves. 
to no end. <laughs> and trying to have this relationship that never really was between them. But as they go back and forth arguing, they realize that they're basically the same, just two sides of the same coin. Ah, I like that. So you tell a message also like you give, um, it's like more than what's on the page. Like a yeah, yeah, I like that. What are some of the like pros and cons when when you just think of writing a book? I think for me, one of the pros are you get the freedom to create, but on the same token, as your characters develop, you really have to kind of let them do their own thing. So sometimes a character will go in a different direction than you want them to go. True, and then (laughs) you know, in the editing process, when you're editing when you have to let go of a really cool line because it just doesn't work. Oh, yeah. Have you ever went to a point where you were, you were almost at the finish of the story, but then it was something that just didn't sit right with you, so you had to just revamp? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've written a whole chapter, and I'm like, you know what? But if it's going to be this half a paragraph that's at the end of the chapter, the whole beginning of the chapter has to go. Mm-hmm. And you have to make those hard decisions. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to rewrite the whole thing now because that's not going to work. Yes. <laughs> have you ever been frustrated with some of your writing? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think when, you know, and I do, photography is one of the ways I kind of get out of my frustration and writer's block because you yeah. just get to the point where you're like, why isn't this idea working? I believe in it. I think it's a great idea. And then right. you kind of have to say, okay, not now. It's not that it's a bad idea. It's just not working. And it's okay to put it on the shelf. Oh, that's a good, that's a really good way to look at it. <laughs> that is. That really, it's like a way to be positive about it, you know? Yeah. It's not going to work right now. We're just going to put it up for now. That's good. I'm going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> Who are some writers or just a writer that inspires you? There are a lot of writers. When I was, I remember in middle school, I read Alice Walker. I read Toni Morrison. I read Jackie Collins. And I will honestly say that while it seems deep to read Toni Morrison in middle school, I didn't understand 90% of what I read. <laughs> I'm not even going to sit here like I was some scholar in the sixth grade. Really? The book jacket looked interesting. I, you know, got the book, was so in over my head in sixth grade. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But that's really good to know, just uh, that, you know, you have people that you can look up to, even when you don't understand. I read. It's funny when you mentioned how young you were, because I remember being in middle school reading adult fiction books. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) I didn't understand half of it. But I was there and I was reading it during free time and my teacher would look at me because I'm the only one breaking out a Stephen King book and she's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of makes sense too when you go back and you're like, so that's why I was a favorite or, you know, just yeah. teachers always just kind of point everything like, that's the one right there. <laughs> <laughs> Did writing lead you to do uh, like other things like teaching or like you said, photography or just other things that you like to do besides writing? I absolutely love teaching. I teach at a local community college and I started last semester and I absolutely love it. Wow. What do you teach? I teach creative writing and I teach rhetorical analysis, argumentative writing. 
Oh my gosh, you get to read and write like that is yeah. perfect. <laughs> what are some things that your students have taught you or you learned from them as a writer? You know, because first of all, they make me feel old because I was sitting in class and I brought up debit cards and they're like, what's a debit card? And then I forgot they've never had just a debit card. They've always had the card with the logo on it that you can use. And I'm trying to explain to them what this is. And they're looking at me like I'm speaking another language. Oh, my gosh. Times. Because I'm like. I thought everybody had. No, there was a time where all you could do is take your card to the ATM and take out money. Yes. That's is oh my gosh. This is wild. I feel old now. <laughs> <laughs> they just taught me something because I swore that was something that you know everybody knew about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else have they taught you? They've taught me, you know, I learn how they see the world. And because with a lot of my students, there is a 20 plus year difference, their perception of life and their writings is totally different. And it just, it gives me a window into people in that age group besides my children to really see how they see the world and what matters to them. Oh, yeah. Have you uh, noticed just from maybe when you were their age, something that seemed really popular to write about compared to what's popular Uh, to write about for them? I think, you know what, when I was my age, things that were considered salacious are just like Mm. everyday common knowledge right now. You Mm. know, (laughs) they're no longer salacious anymore. It's no longer a big deal. There's there. I don't think there are really any triggers left at this point. (laughs) I remember when I was in high school and the book Butterfly came out, which was all about this woman who basically ends up hiring men and renting out men. And it was the salacious book. And now it's like, eh, eh. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, like when you think about Fifty Shades of Grey, like yeah. reading just those types of books when, you know, I was in school was like, what are you reading? <laughs> yeah. But now it's so every day is really mm-hmm. common. So are your family and friends a supportive of your work? Like what are some of the things that they said that maybe uplift you when you're just feeling down about you know your writing or just something that they do that keeps you motivated they always remind me don't get hung up on the no because when you're a writer you're going to hear no far more times than you're going to hear yes yes Mm -hmm. just the reality of the business you you always hear no 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 and it's hard as a writer not to take the no personally yes You try not to take it personally, but when you've poured your heart and your energy into something and someone's like, no, Mm -mm." I mean, I remember I got turned down by the same publishing house twice for the same piece of work. That was hilarious. They sent me the rejection letter and I got over it. And six months later, they sent me another rejection letter. Oh, "Oh, they must have forgot they rejected me six months ago. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's. Oh my goodness. That's like when you have to kind of learn, what is it, uh, not to take it too personally, you know, because yeah. you know, when you're creating your writing, that's your baby. Exactly. <laughs> and then when and you're then, shopping it around, they're like, to you, to publishers, they're like, you know, it's your baby, but it's Tuesday to us and we've read this 40 different ways. How do you deal with that? I really have to just kind of sit. And my husband, my husband now, he is my sounding board. 
Like, mm. he will listen to me fuss and rant and rave when the no comes. And he's like, you know, it's not personal. You know, it's not personal. He's kind of like the calm to my crazy sometimes, you know. Uh, perfect. We yeah. need more people like that. <laughs> That's Does he write or is he involved? No, he doesn't write. He um, That is not his thing. He was career military. He works for the government now. He's like, that's your lane. And <laughs> trust me, when he starts talking about what he does at work, I'm like, oh, that is so your lane. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But that's absolutely amazing to have that. This is a little off topic, but okay. just thinking of marriage, what do you think some of the things that um, people... Uh, what makes a marriage work? I think one of the main things that I always tell people when you're married, number one, be careful who your cheerleaders are cheering you on and egging you on. And two, everybody doesn't need to know everything that goes on in your household. True. Mm-hmm. Because it, it creates too many people in your marriage besides you and your spouse. Oh, right. How do you choose what to write about? Like, what is your writing style, your uh, writing process? My characters always come first. Mm -hmm. And then I always create an interesting character. And then where do I want this person to go? Why should they have a story? You know, why should I explain them? In the, like, creating characters, do, um, okay, like, for instance, when I'm writing about characters, the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, um, what situation they're in and Mm -hmm. then I'll end up creating more characters but sometimes I have to like edit and delete certain characters because I'll find myself creating more characters than what's needed how do you go about keeping certain characters and then getting rid of others or just how do you do deal with characters I always because I can I can create like you I can create a ton of characters and I'll have 40 people in a room in a scene (laughs) and there really only needs to be five Right. I found it interesting and now everybody's wall to wall and it's like okay 35 of you guys gotta go right <laughs> so I always try to maintain what is the focus mm. you know if you know maybe the woman in the back corner in the red dress doesn't need to say anything even though it was a snippy remark she had that was funny <laughs> and I know it's funny but she probably doesn't need to say anything because she's really not important right <laughs> <laughs> And what are some of your writing goals? How do you define, um, like, just in writing period, like, when it comes to your book, do you have, like, uh, what they call, because I don't do this, but I've seen it more often, like, how many words you write? Is that one of your writing goals? Or just what are some of your writing goals? Well, I don't do words only because I don't want to find myself either cutting myself off or find myself adding stuff that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, mm-hmm. So I I don't do words, but I always try to see if I can just make it work. And sometimes I'll pull stuff out and go, well, that character could probably have their own story. Mm. And I'm not going to throw them away, but I will create something separate for them. Right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, for me, I have to be happy with it. Yeah, that's oh, my goodness. Just speaking on that part, too, with being happy with your work. Mm-hmm. I um I feel like sometimes as writers or creatives, you we compromise like certain things just so the audience is happy with it. How do you exactly. deal with that? And I have to remind myself that 
if I'm not happy with it, I'm really not going to promote it the way I should, because I know I'm not happy with it. And I understand that the audience may want something totally different. But one thing I've, I've learned through writing is sometimes your audience will see a scene or a character in a completely different way than you saw it. And I oh. love that part of it. Yeah, <laughs> so true. How do you define your success as a writer? I think Stephen King had the best quote. He said, did you get paid for it? Did oh. you pay a bill with it? Well, guess what? You're a professional writer. That oh, It's sorry. not about copies sold and did you make the New York Times bestseller list? It's not about the fame and everyone knowing you. It's about are you happy with what you did? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to pin that one down right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a beautiful one right there. And what has been the most challenging obstacle for you in life? And just how did you overcome it? I think when I was 27, I woke up in the middle, five o'clock in the morning, and my first husband was having a massive heart attack and dying. So I went from being a married mother of three to now a widow with three kids ages six, four, and 23 months. And the one thing, you know, I had to be resilient for my children. They had right. just lost their father. I was the only parent left. Yes. So I, it, having my kids pushed me forward because mm. I had to hold it together. Right. I had to make it work for them. Right. Exactly. Was there anything that um, just even at that time that just kind of sticks out to you when you're thinking about it now that, you know, you really did, you know overcome that situation I think with my youngest he was 23 months and he had stopped talking because of the trauma of losing his dad and I think having to work through that and the first thing I had to do was admit that I didn't do anything wrong because as a mother sometimes the first thing you do is you blame yourself yeah Mm -hmm. and I couldn't help him until I admitted okay I didn't do anything wrong but I got to help him get out of this so that he's okay. That's a, that's like when I call a superhuman strength. It's like, I feel like we already are blessed with these powers and these internal things that we can do. Mm-hmm. Like move mountains and go beyond and, you know, push with our strength. But I think when situations happen and we have to rise to occasion, like it's that other stuff that you never knew that you had in you, it comes out. And I think exactly is admitting to the things you know that we're not perfect we don't have to be perfect but we do everything that we can do yeah that's a that's like a right there I feel like a superhuman moment <laughs> and yeah I, I know like that took some time to get to that point and that's that's another thing time being appreciative oh, yeah. of that one that's a really big one how have you dealt with just have uh just seeing your life over time and how you've changed in different ways what do you think is some of like the best things that's just it's come out of time for you you know what I've learned to enjoy life you learn that the house doesn't have to be pristine it 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 doesn't have to be perfect to be good that there's joy and happiness in the imperfections Mm -hmm. yeah and is there a quote you live by like maybe from a book you've read or a person in your life that keeps you going one of the most important quotes to me and it's always it's an African proverb and it says until lions have the historian the victory of the hunt will always go to the hunters and it always reminds me about be mindful of perspective as it is presented to you 
Oh, wow. That's huge. <laughs> That's really huge. Is there a certain situation that you can correlate with that quote? You know, but when my, you know, when my mother, because my birth certificate says father unknown intentionally, and my mother always held that over my head. But when I finally did get to meet my father at 27, she, she was the hunter who always got the victory because he never had his side of the story on the table. Oh, yeah. And when I got his side of the story, the hunter per se, my mother wasn't the victor in it. Uh -huh. she, he just didn't have his side of the story. Right. Yeah. It was a, oh, yeah. That is really powerful. Yeah. And it was a little, when you just said that, <laughs> I find it sometimes. I know the stories that I write are fictional and most of it comes from um, just coming up with different things that I can think of and then just being inspired from my own life. But yeah. that situation with, you know, not knowing, you know, your father or having his side of the story. One of my characters went through that exact same thing in one of my books. So I was like, oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Have you had situations like that happen? Where real well, life reflects your uh, art? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and Grayson, her mother dies and they're not speaking. And my mother died in August and we weren't speaking. And I kind of went through those same emotions that Grayson went through, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As you're working it all the way out. Do you think um, in a way that we kind of end up telling our own stories, like our future in, in a sense, when we write? Oh, Absolutely. I think writers always tell their stories and what impacts them and how they see the world reflected to them and how they reflect on the world. Oh, yeah. That's really big and amazing. And just going back to your books, could you share with us like what the Shattered Existence series is about from your first book, Grayson, and then what you can share about the second book that's going to be released in June? Grayson is basically, she's a woman, she's looking for her biological father because she's struggling to be whole. She grew up in a family, the Harlow family, that had everything money could buy, but those things money can't buy, they didn't have. Her mother resented her because she was the dark-skinned child and she never knew why. So when Grayson, you go on this journey with her of finding her father, of finding out what happened, but there are certain questions that don't get answered. So in the second one, which is called the story of Viviana, Viviana Grayson's mother, you see her perspective of it. And you get to know the beginning of Grayson's life and how she ended up back at Lakeland and how they ended up at the house and how the relationship between her and her mother deteriorated. Oh, that sounds like really, really good. Mm -hmm. And then you said the second, what's the title of the second book? The story of Viviana. Viviana. And that comes out in June of this year? And yes, in June of this year. Perfect. And are you working on anything else this year? Actually, you know what? I'm starting to write just a couple of nonfiction narrative articles that I'm going to shop around, but mm -hmm. nothing really heavy at the moment. I'm not sure what I want my next book to be. I'm thinking because you meet Cora in the second book, I mm -hmm. like her. And I'm exploring, do I make Cora into her own book, which oh. is Viviana's older sister. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. And then that would tell a story that would be a piece to the puzzle as well, I'm sure. Exactly, exactly. 
Oh, I love that. This has concluded what I call like the serious part of the interview, which I really love because I get to learn so much about the person I'm interviewing, like you, for instance. So now we're going to go into the fun part of the interview. (laughs) (laughs) So you just answer just the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay. What is something uh, you, wait, that you own that you refuse to throw away? My heels. I I have uh, tons of heels, tons of shoes. My husband's like, you need to throw them away. You need to spin them out. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, is there something else? Because I feel like when it's when it's shoes, and then it's something else too. <laughs> you know, my shoes, my books. I love oh. my books. They're everywhere in my office. I'm like, nope, those aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, and that's gonna be my problem when I do get my own house. I already have drawn out like what my library was gonna look like. <laughs> <laughs> So I can just see it now. It's going to be books everywhere. (laughs) If you could meet anyone, who would it be and why? You know what? That's a tie. It would be two people. One would be Kathy Bates because she scared the crap out of me in misery. Mm -hmm. She totally terrified me. And it's something about the way she plays twisted characters. And she makes them so unbelievably believable. That is so true. Cause she gives off this like, uh, like a she doesn't give you celebrity. I think in the sense sometimes when I watch movies, I still can see the celebrity that's playing the you know the character. Yeah, she gives you like a real person. That is so true. Exactly. And the other person would be Angela Bassett because for some reason it doesn't matter what movie she does. It's like she takes over every scene. Yes, every scene. I'm so proud of her, too, because I feel like she's been working for so long, and now she's getting her due diligence, you know? That's amazing. Oh, those are great people. What was your first car? I had this blue Pontiac, and Mm -hmm. the door on the driver's side broke. So you could get in on the, you could get out on the driver's side, but you couldn't get in. You had to crawl through the passenger side. I mean, it was just, it was a bucket. So I took it (laughs) to the mechanic, and I'm like, uh, quick question. Are you going to shut the driver's side door? And he's looking at me like, well, yeah. I'm like, okay, you can get out on the driver's side, but you're gonna, I'm going to need you to crawl through the passenger side. <laughs> and he's looking at me like I'm crazy. And he's yeah. like, you know, ma'am, this really isn't safe. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine because I can get out in an emergency. I just can't get in. We're fine. We're fine. I'm like, we're good. We're just going to go with it. We're good. <laughs> What makes you happy when you're sad? I love looking at old photos that I have of my kids and our dogs. And, you know, photos tell a story. Yes, they do. They and you get to look at those memories and they're just amazing. Mm-hmm. Quick question. Just thinking yeah. about photos. It kind of like makes me miss those uh, disposable cameras. I don't even know if they still make them, but like when I'm taking pictures on my phone, I, now I'm starting to like see pictures and I'm like, you know, I need to just get this developed. Do you feel that way or do you d- get photos developed? You know, I have a, my digital camera and my lenses and I have, I print them out at home. I have like a whole thing set up, but the um, one thing I think I miss about a 35 millimeter camera is mm-hmm. it gives you one shot. And you don't know until you get the picture back if you got the shot or not. That's so true. It's that mystery behind, you know? Yeah. 
Whereas with the digital one, I can take it, look right at my camera. No, I don't like that. We're going to do that one again. Yep. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, that that kind of takes the fun out of it a little bit. And mm-hmm. then one thing I do notice is that we actually spend more time taking photos of like this one scene. <laughs> exactly. Like one of my daughters, she constantly photographs her food. I'm oh. like, why are you always photographing your food before you eat it? Is that necessary? <laughs> she loves it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you have a pet? I have two pets. I have a great day named Sheba. She's six and a half years old. And I have a seven month old Great Dane and Neapolitan Mastiff named Grayson, which my kids have all told me that is they're like, Mom, I can't believe you named the dog after a character in your book. They're very embarrassed by it. All of them are embarrassed by that. They're like, Mom, that's so cheesy. Can't believe you did that. Oh my goodness. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. And then if you could be any character from any show, cartoon, movie, or book, what character would you be and why? I would be Roberta from Z Nation. First of all, I love horror movies. Love them. And she is just such an utter badass, you know. And she's running around decapitating. And she's quite the leader. She's always holding it together. Always. Oh, my gosh. That's so true. (laughs) That's really why I really like the show. Because I already like zombie movies. But when I can get a lead character... Oh my God. And she's always on point. She's always, when everyone thinks they're going to fall apart, she's like, no, we got to get this together right now. Right. What I say with that, like, it always kills me when they have the characters and they're saying, we're going to die. Like, I don't need to be around you in this moment. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, I don't need your negative energy. I'm trying to get to the safe point. And you're like, we're going to die. No. No. Negative. Exactly. (laughs) And then how can people reach you? Well, on Twitter, my Twitter handle is T White But Black. And that's a play off of my last name, which is always funny because people always say, why did you do that? And I'm like, really? My name is Tamara White and I'm black. How did you not pick up on that? Yes. (laughs) I thought that was a gimme. And then I have a website. It's thetamarawhite.com. Yay! This was such a really fun interview. I always have a great time doing interviews, but I, like I said, I learned so much. Thank you for being on this show. Thank <laughs> really you so did. much for inviting me. I had a fabulous time. This was great. Thank you so much for listening to Characters Here Podcast. We would love to be a part of your life. So leave us a review right now. And remember, don't be a stranger. Be a character. Be a character. Be- Okay.